This is your host, Matt Sheeks, and you're listening to the Northwest Race Report. Uh, I've got with me in the studio Kayla Coblin. Uh Kayla uh, just got off some pretty good race results. Um, she was, uh, well, uh, she was doing some uh, Tough Mudder races before I started working with her, and so she was fourth at the 8-Hour Toughest Mudder West Championship. It's a mouthful. Uh, and then after I started coaching, with, coaching her, um, we had her do Ironman Coeur d'Alene. She was fourth there uh, overall for females. Uh, There's no pro field there. And uh, then we had her go to Ironman Louisville, where she got uh, second overall for women, um, excluding pros, so second amateur, and was able to qualify for her pro card and uh, obviously qualified for uh, Kona in her age group. Um, and she's been doing some awesome stuff, put down to 1040 at Ironman Coeur d'Alene in the heat, and then put down a, a 1013, I believe, at Ironman Louisville. Kayla, how you doing? Good. Thanks for having me, Matt. Yeah, no problem. Did I get those stats right? You sure did. Okay, close enough. <laughs> <laughs> excellent, excellent. Yeah, so Kayla right now, she's living in uh, Bellevue, Washington, and uh, I coach a lot of... Um, uh, people in the Seattle area, and so Bellevue is uh, just east of Seattle. Uh, currently, Kayla is sponsored by La Sportiva, uh, so they do trail running, mountain running shoes, Specialized Bicycles, new sponsor. Yep. Shout out to Specialized. I'm sure they will be very <laughs> eager to hear that they got a shout out on the Northwest <laughs> Race Report podcast. It's very important. <laughs> and then uh, Edge and Spoke Bicycle Shop in uh, Redmond. They would be considered a sponsor now, right? Yes. Okay. Cool. Fantastic. Well, um, yeah, I think just um, uh, explaining the, the reason for having you on the show would be important for listeners and the, the reason that we wanted to uh, create a podcast uh, about you and, and the results that you've gotten is that, uh, well, one, you're only 23. Uh, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> two, it's your yep. first year as a triathlete. And third, you were able to qualify for Kona and qualify as a professional um, in your first year as a 23-year-old. So Absolutely. That's why we're titling it How to Go Pro Your First Year as a Triathlete if you've uh, never swam before and you don't own a bike. Because at the beginning of the season, I believe you had never swam before and you didn't really own a, a functional triathlon bike. Is that correct? That is correct. I <laughs> bought a bike in April of 2017. Okay. Well, things are coming along quite nicely for you. Um, you know, so I've uh, had the opportunity to work with Kayla and I'm her, her coach right now. Uh, so that's the other reason to have her, uh, have her on a show with me, of course, and, uh, can't guarantee results like that for everybody I coach, but, um, it seems to be working for you. <laughs> so sure we'll, we'll be, we'll be talking about that later. Um, but first I think we wanted to get into a little bit of, uh, history as far as you as an athlete and then how you ended up becoming a, a triathlete as well. So could you kind of take us through maybe um, starting out with your, your athletic um, history as a, a youth and like high school student, and what were you doing during that time period? Yeah, so I always grew up in a ton of sports, whether it was basketball, baseball, soccer, cross country, um, 
I ran quite a bit as a younger um, kid. I think I entered my first race when I was six or seven with my mom. Um, fast forward a few years, though, I fell in love with snowboarding around the age of 15. Um, so from the age of about 15 to 18, I um, became like a semi-professional snowboarder. I was homeschooled and traveled and competed for that. Uh, but with that, you get pretty hurt. It's a pretty high risk, high reward sport. So I had a lot of broken bones, surgeries, concussions. So I kind of just thought to myself, like, is this really, um, sustainable for the rest of my life? And I knew it wasn't. So I wanted to get back into a sport that I knew I was good at, um, that I could do for the rest of my life. So I thought of running. So I got back into running when I was about 19, um, and specifically got into the obstacle course racing style of running. Um, I enjoyed that because not only did you have to be a fast runner, but you had to have a lot of upper body strength. Um, and I enjoyed going to the gym. So it was kind of worked out to be this perfect, uh, match. So I did that for a couple of years, moved to Bellevue. I bought some like dinky road bike off Craigslist to ride to work from, um, so I started riding my bike to work and running. And I just remember thinking last year, well, if I throw in some swimming, maybe I could figure out this whole triathlon thing. So 2017, I made it my goal to, um, compete in an Ironman. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, you, yeah, you covered a lot in a brief period there. So, so it sounds like you had a little bit of a running background, uh, maybe from high school or something like that. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah. I remember I started cross country when I was in second grade. Um, and then I was in cross country every year ever since then. Um, and I, I liked it. I liked the running, but for me it was too short. So I was never, I was never really that good, but I really liked the practice and just going out and running with your friends. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I always enjoyed that as well. So it sounds like you had a little bit of an endurance background, but not a ton. It seems like you kind of moved around um, from very high high strength, high agility, highly technical sports, and then you, you're kind of combining them with the, the OCR circuit, like you say. Um, yeah. And then you decide that you basically that you wanted to give triathlons a whirl. So is there any extra motivation that kind of caused you to, to say, I want to do an Ironman? Um, so I remember, I think when I was 18, uh, I was watching these, you know, inspirational videos on YouTube and there were two videos that really stuck with me. One was this 24 hour running race, the tough mutter, like just announced, um, and you just run for 24 hours on this obstacle course. And then I saw another video and it was one of those like, you know, typical Iron Man finisher videos with the really inspirational music. And I remember thinking to myself, I was like, I am going to do these two races before I turn 25. And I had no idea how I was going to do it. And I, and I, I know, I knew, I know that I wasn't ready at, uh, when I was 18, Yeah. but that just stuck with me. And I was like, I'm going to do these two. And I did. Um, but I think I didn't realize how much now um, Ironman and the whole triathlon training has basically consumed my life. 
Oh, for sure. Yeah, it seems like you, you take it very seriously. So that's yeah, uh, that, that's positive when you're coaching someone that you know they're gonna go out there and give their best effort every day. And um, yeah, I, one thing that I've noticed is I, I'm impressed like how uh, how much the like the injuries from your uh, snowboarding background haven't hindered you. Like I believe you you had uh, like you broke your neck at one point, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. I did. I did that. Um, a lot of fractured collarbones. I had knee surgery. Um, man, what else? I fractured my sternum. Oh. Um, yeah, just like some really weird, weird injuries. But yeah, like I said, I just I knew that was not sustainable. I was basically falling apart, or I was always in crutches or in a boot, and I just I was sick of it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, the listener probably doesn't know this, but they might be picking up a little bit uh, on this as far as how tough you are. And so that's <laughs> maybe one thing that trans has transferred over well to triathlon is that, uh, you know, you, you don't have a whole lot of fear um, in many areas of triathlon, and including, you know, going swimming in frigid cold water, having boats yes. around, um, you know, you need to work on your technical skills a little bit on the bike, but, um, right. you know, as far as the stuff that really matters, which is, you know, kind of taking a little bit of risk and training and pushing yourself, um, you're a pretty tough athlete, which I think has probably helped with your success. Um, but, uh, so, so we want to talk about what your training was like before you started working with me. So you've got this, basically this period of time from, um, basically January up until, June. June. Um, so about a six month period where you're training on your own. Right. And what were you doing at that point? So at that point I bought this random book on Amazon. I think the title was like how to train for your first triathlon. Okay. Um, it, there was no specific distance. Um, I didn't know what training peaks was. I wasn't really tracking like any of that stuff. Um, I started swimming. I remember barely being able to swim a hundred yards and then having to rest. Um, I mean, it would take me almost an hour to just swim one mile in the pool. Uh, I bought my bike in April. My very first triathlon was, um, Ironman Victoria it was a 70.3. So I had about a two month window to figure out how to ride a bike and clip in my pedals and, um, figure out how to change a tire, which at that point I definitely did not know how to do. I just kind of winged it. Uh, yeah. I, I think my, my longest bike ride before my race was maybe 30 miles. I was too scared to ride on the roads cause I couldn't figure out how to get my darn shoes on my bike. Um, but I, I was running, I was running a whole lot cause that's what was, I was really good at. And that's what I knew. Um, so I just kind of hoped that that running fitness would just carry over into the race. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. I think, believe you told me, yeah, you had been doing more, you'd been weighting the run more heavily, which is probably fine. You know, getting, coming from a running background, you're going to tolerate that a little bit better. Um, so yeah, so your longest ride was 30 miles running. You were probably running like what, 50 miles a week more than that. Yeah, I was probably doing 50 miles a week. And then I would, I would, uh, I would go to the pool maybe twice a week. It was more of just, a 
when I wanted to. Uh-huh. Not not a actually structured plan. Okay, yeah, yeah. And a lot of triathletes, like when I started doing triathlon, I was like, you know, the distance in the swim is so short, obviously I won't have to practice that much in the pool. Right. <laughs> that ends up being totally wrong. Like, you know, you have to kind of, your training has to be a little bit of lopsided towards the swim, especially if your your background isn't in swimming, you got some catch up to do. Um, yes. And your body can actually tolerate a lot of swimming. So, uh, so it's different than what you expect. And then all of a sudden you're this guy that's in the pool a whole lot and you're like, what did I sign up for? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. So as far as like total hours, do you know how much you were putting in before? Yeah. So I actually, I had a a calendar, um, and and I did kind of write down vaguely what I would do every week. Mm -hmm. Um, I was, I was probably training anywhere from 12 to 16 hours a week. Okay, yeah, that's not bad. It, no, it, it, it's not bad. Um, but I think for the Ironman distance, it was a little on the low end. Uh, yeah, yeah. Did you say for the half Ironman distance? <laughs> Correct. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that is – a lot of people I will train at that sort of level, but they're not trying to you know, qualify for Kona and, and things like this. And right. They have full-time jobs. I know you work full-time too, but they mm-hmm. they have a lot of other responsibilities. So twelve might be the the max that they can get in. Um, right. That might not be what's best for them as far as maximizing their capability, but that's what they can do. Um, yep. But anyway, you really wanted to go for it, and you wanted to improve a lot, and that's something that we talked about before um, we started working together. And um, so so we kind of decided that we'd you know we'd set your um, training volume at a, a challenging but doable level, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. so what did you notice as far as how your training changed after we started working together? Uh, it was definitely the, the structure of the workouts and when I would do certain workouts. Um, although I was training a lot more in terms of volume, I didn't feel as sore um, because you actually like structured my my workouts, um, in a way that I could do more and wasn't just like burning my body down. And, uh, beforehand I was doing a lot of higher intensity stuff at a higher heart rate. So for me, for me, the kind of the bigger shock was, you know, it's okay to, you know, do these rides or do these runs at slower paces because, you know, this is what you have over the weekend or this is what you have tomorrow or, um, that was that was a huge shock for me, uh, but I see now why that is the way it is. That may be the number one shock for people that um, I'm starting to coach is they're going out and they're kind of running or riding just moderately hard all the time. Right. And that takes away uh, from their ability to kind of come back out of their volume um, in the next day or the next couple days. And so they just kind of plateau at kind of then inadequate volume for, uh, half Ironman or Ironman training. So, mm-hmm. so a lot of these people that I'm working with, they only have kind of one pace, you know, it's kind of like right below their lactic threshold. And that's that, like to move, that's, they need to be at that heart rate because their, their volume is too low. Um, and so they, yeah. and so then the heart rate zones that I'm prescribing for them, they're like, Oh, this feels like it's too easy. 
And it's like, well, in the in the context of having to do everything that I'm asking you to do in one week, um, you know, these individual individual workouts aren't that easy once you start adding it all together, right? Totally. So, totally. And those yeah, those first couple of weeks I kinda had to like put my pride aside. I'm like, why why is Matt having me run these, you know, eight thirty, eight forty runs? Like I can run faster, right? But I knew, like, looking ahead at my schedule, I'm like, oh, okay, this makes sense. If I run too fast, then I might be too tired for tomorrow's interval ride. So it it all made sense. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Well, I'm glad you listened and, and you caught on. It, it sounds, you know, if you go back and read the stuff that um, Mark Allen was challenged to do by, like, Phil Maffetone, it's basically the same story. You know, even at his level, he was doing very well, but he wasn't. Uh, training properly for the Ironman distance. So, right. um, so that's a big thing. And, you know, once people kind of get up to a, a higher quality, uh, volume level for them personally, you'll see that they have more of a range so they can, they can run an easy pace. They can run a easy, moderate pace, like a zone two pace. They can do kind of a, a moderate, a moderate hard and a hard, you know, the people that are yep. not adequately trained kind of just have like, like I say, this one moderate hard pace that's just under their, uh, lactate threshold usually. And they're, they're not able to add on to that. So that's the, one of the, um, top problems that um i see as far as how people are training themselves yeah um okay so we'll, well let's go through some of your uh actual numbers uh for your training um okay. in the last uh few months or however long it's been and uh so i'm just going to go through your your total um volume and hours and believe it or not the first week that i actually uh, started coaching you was june 19th wow <laughs> So it hasn't been that long. Uh, so, so your average from June 19th to, uh, the week of October 2nd. Uh, so I believe that's, um, uh, the week before race week for, uh, Louisville. Yeah. Uh, so during that time period, your, your average volume was 17.4 hours. Nice. So there's a lot of, you know, 17 and a half, 18s, um, few weeks that are over 20, like maybe four or five that I'm counting. Yeah. Um, but obviously it's going to average out to 17.4, right? Awesome. Um, so not half bad. Um, people that are listening to this have to realize that, uh, Kayla goes and does a pretty hard strength workout every Tuesday and Thursday, and it's usually an hour and a half. And so you're getting yeah. an extra three hours of training that way. And it's not, you know, so this isn't 100%, um, aerobic volume necessarily. So if you take right. out those three hours, you know, you kind of have, um, a little bit more realistic number as far as what she's doing aerobically. But, uh, if you're out there lifting hard, you know, we add that all to your total volume. Um, yeah. it's only when there's something that's kind of easy, like yoga or maybe like a, a long hike, we're not going to count your total hours for something like that. And then you have totally. to come up with some sort of a scheme to, um, <laughs> figure out what sort of stress that was on your body, right? When it's yeah. these lower intensity things. Um, yeah. yeah. And then running volume, your running volume is, um, I mean, there's nothing that's very exciting about your running volume. <laughs> Looking at this, uh, the average was 27.6 miles um, per week. So that's good. So you've got, you know, there's a lot of 25s. Um, there's some definitely some down weeks where it must have been an easy week, like after a race. Um, that's kind of skewing things down. Um, you know, there were a lot of looks like there were a couple 40s building up to Ironman Coeur d'Alene, and then uh, no real massive week 
before Louisville. I think we kind of we kind of maintained and just let the let that race kind of um, let you absorb the gain from that race because we knew you had another one um, yep. in six weeks. So so Ironman Coeur d'Alene was in late August, and then uh, Ironman uh, Louisville was in mid October. Um, so for the, for the geeks, we could do your, your CTL ramp rate and that's kind of how fast we, um, built your volume. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think there's a ton of numbers to really go off of here. There's, um, uh, Joe Friel would say kind of five to eight is the optimum range. And we went, uh, oh, well we had a period of time because the, the numbers, um, you need to wait 42 days for the numbers to stabilize in like the performance manager and training peaks. And Uh, so, so we don't have it for most of these weeks. So we don't have it until, uh, August. And then all of a sudden you hit race week. So it was eight and then eight, and then it was 21, which must've been race week, uh, (laughs) negative seven, which was obviously the race, the week after race week. Um, and then it was nothing exciting four and five and three and, and zero, um, and two, and like I say, we were more focused on um, maintaining and allowing uh, Kayla's body to kind of um, absorb the stress from the race because that's just that's one huge workout right there that you can you can benefit from and, and get a, a good adaptation from. Um, so we didn't feel it was really necessary to uh, go supercharge the schedule like we had at the beginning. So yeah. So those are some of the numbers. Seventeen point four hours per week got you to essentially being at the pro level. Um, I'll take it. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, but, uh, just for the record, Kayla decided not to take her pro card this year. She's going to be uh, amateur next year. Um, focusing on Kona, I believe is the big goal. That is the goal. Yeah. And you know, she's only 23. So, um, uh, you know, I guess it's, it's Kayla's decision. Ultimately, she decided it was, uh, it was better to stay amateur another year. So I, which, I think I want, I want one full year of riding a bike <laughs> <laughs> before I go pro. It makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. Well, you don't want to jump into these pro races and just be getting like 15th, you know? No. I mean, who no. knows, who knows what would happen at this point? It's too early, uh, in your right. career to tell, but, right. uh, yeah, it certainly makes sense to get a little bit more experience, um, under your belt before jumping into the pro ranks. Yeah. So that's good. Uh, so yeah, so this is basically part one in a part two series kind of covered Kayla's history and her previous training and then her, her training on a, on a large scale, um, since we've been working together, which spans about, I don't know, three months, maybe three and a half months. And then, uh, the next time we're going to talk about race execution, um, uh, at Ironman Coeur d'Alene and kind of some of our strategies for those races. Uh, and then we're going to talk about, um, maybe some specific workouts leading up to like, uh, Ironman races. And also we want to talk about maybe some strategies that Kayla employs to maximize her athletic performance. Cause I think that's uh, pretty important. And one of the keys to, um, your success has been maybe some of your, uh, recovery strategies like new, nutrition, recovery, uh, sleep, making sure you, you have fun or, or don't have fun or whatever, whatever it is that you do that you've got going on. It, <laughs> it seems, yes. seems to be working as far as, uh, actually recovering from 
some mega workouts occasionally. So yes, absolutely. Yeah. So we'll split it up into those two episodes and, uh, Kayla, it's been fun chatting with you. And Thank you. we'll chat soon, Matt. Yeah. So thanks for being on the Northwest race report podcast. And, uh, we will catch you in a little bit. Well, we were, we will pick up this discussion, uh, next time. Awesome. All right. Thanks again. See ya.